I'm going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture this morning to get into this. But I hope and pray that this morning really speaks to us all. How many of you are hungry to hear from God? Can I encourage you to do something? You know, take time several times a week, and this is above and beyond your devotions. But take time to just meditate on God. Speak to Him. He loves you. You understand that? He loves you. You know, we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna be thinking just briefly about some things that are going on in the world right now. But I want to remind you of something. Our God is busy. He gave us a book. That book has his program in it. And you know something? He's running his program. So let's pray and let's ask God to just speak to us during the week. I pray that you take what we're going to hear this morning, just a simple two-part outline, and recognize the importance of it. Amen? Otherwise, I'm going to stand up here for another hour. And you don't want that. I don't want that. So let's ask God to meet with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray once again that you would speak to us, Lord, in a great, great way. May your spirit take your word and plant it in our hearts. Ask in Christ's name, amen. So, I think I've mentioned this to you before. <laughs> I have, there, there's a few things that I've said two or three or more times. I remember when I was a kid, about eight years old, I was at summer camp. You know, you go on summer camp to have fun. You know, it's great. And then a woman gets up and says, I don't mean to scare you children, but one day you're going to see communism in America. What's that have to do with Bible camp? I know, I understand. But I was scared to death the rest of the week. You know, when is all this going to be happening? There's things I'm going to be sharing with you just briefly, not to bring focus on that but to help us understand what underlies so much of what is taking place. Now, we can look down the road, and we can stop and think, you know, I wonder if when persecution might come. It's happening now. We've gotten used to a few things that have been taking place. We've been hearing about this funny-sounding company called Twitter. Can you imagine if people found out 50 years ago when your grandchildren are growing up, they can tweet? What would you think that would be? What are they going to do? Teach them how to sing like a bird? In some respects, yeah. But I, I want you to hear this. My wife and I were taking notice this last week of a few things that just came across our path. We watched, we saw it on YouTube or, or we read something. It was amazing. First of all, our government has already started on something called a digital currency.
currency. The dollar you have in your pocket is going to turn into a digit. You say, no, well, wait a minute. What's, what's the big, what's the big deal? For, you know, most of what I have is digits now. No, this is different. This is different. There will be a central bank where your government can tell you how to spend your money, if you can spend your money, and how much you can spend your money. They will track where you are spending your money. And if you can spend it the way you are spending it. No, that'll never happen. It's happening overseas right now in places where they are trying this out. In Nigeria right now, Nigerian citizens cannot take any more than the equivalent of $45 out of their machine at the bank at any given time. They can't take any more out. Why? Because they're trying to control them to get them to go to a digital currency. Not paper, not coin, digit. Now stop and consider that. What if your government came along and said, you have given too much money to your church. You've given too much money to a political situation. You've bought too much meat. You don't think that could happen? They can do it. Secondly, the freedom that we have that was introduced by men and women, many of them godly, and paid the price, that freedom is being taken away. I was reminded of a pastor friend that my dad had. This man flew into a communist country. Upon entering the country, one of the, one of the questions he was asked that he had never been asked going into a country was this. Do you have any Bibles with you? And he says, I have two English Bibles. They followed him from then on. They knew who he was meeting with. The pastors that he met with showed him said, this is what's taking place. And then one pastor said this, you know, you go back to America and you breathe easy because in your constitution, it gives you freedom of religion. He said, we have freedom of religion in our constitution as well. But we're being watched. We are being threatened. Now, the First Amendment is there. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. By any chance, did anybody see what was going on in Twitterdom this last week? And how there were people, including Christians, that were being curtailed in what they could say. Well, it's just a, it's, it's just a company. Yeah, it's a mega company that was working with the government. 
the government was telling them what to do. Folks, it's in a box with a glass top. I've seen it in Washington, D.C., but you won't find a whole lot of it in the courts of America. This is what is taking place. My wife and I were absolutely stunned by two different sources. We weren't looking for it, but two different sources that came along and said, do you realize that there is a move now? These elitists, you know, Klaus Schwab, and, and, and who's the other guy, uh, spooky dude? George Soros. But this is, this is what they're, this is what they're pushing. This is what they're pushing. In the future, you will have a situation where you will live where everything that you need is within 15 minutes of public transit or a bike ride. 15 minutes. There was another, uh, there was another city overseas. I couldn't remember if it was in Australia. They're doing this right now, by the way. In France, in Spain, in Australia, in England. It's going on, folks, right now. But they said, you know, could you give us 20 minutes instead? You know, that'd be so kind if they did that. Here's the bottom line. There are people that are looking at you and saying, we don't care what you think, we're going to control you. Now, praise God, we can look back at them and say, our God rules over all. You have no idea what is getting ready to take place because you will not listen. God rules over all. We will have what we have. Hey, listen, our God, from the beginning to the end. Now, why do I bring that up? This is why. Because we know of a certain wicked one. And if you dig deep enough into all this stuff, you find out there is a push by the wicked one who one day will come in the form of the Antichrist, he seeks to do and be what he said. The scripture, the words that he said that are in the Bible, I will be like the Most High. He wants control. And he'll have it for a little while. And then it's all going to come to a crashing end. So, What about us? Well, here we are. We've got Bibles in our laps. I pray that you've got your Bible. I understand if you've got it on your iPad or your phone or whatever, but if you can bring the pages, do it. I want you to see something. We're going to start in John 6, and we're going to come forward to this time. Now, in John chapter 6, now I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a long chapter. But in John chapter 6, There's amazing things that take place. There was a feeding of the 5,000. Actually, it was more than 5,000. With just men, it was 5,000. And then there were other things that that took place. They started looking at Christ saying, hey, what, what is going on here? Look at this man. 
Later on in the night, he walked on water. He joined them in their boat. They went to Capernaum. Now, look at verse 27. Please go with me. I'm going to get through this as quick as I can, but there's a reason I want to read all of this. Verse 27, Christ said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is a great uh, passage right here. Talking about salvation, Jesus says, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's salvation. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What doest, what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. They still have food on their minds. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, if a Jew wanted to emphasize something, he would say that word twice. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he, not it, but he, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now notice in the following verses how Christ is bringing the focus on him and how they begin to choke on it. Verse 36, but I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that come to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews, this is verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You notice the blindness of these people, and it's so sad, but let's continue. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father, which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. 
Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Stop right there. You know, isn't it great there came the day that you read the Scripture and the Lord spoke to you? If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, say amen. You know why you trusted Christ as your Savior? His will. Praise God for that. Let's continue, though. I'm reading this for a reason. Verse 44, or excuse me, verse 45, verse 46. (laughs) Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you, as we're going through what we're reading, I want you to picture yourself in that group of all those Jewish people. We're not just reading words. We're hearing Christ speak. And we're watching the people's response. There's a reason for this. Trust me. We're watching their response. We're recognizing some of the things that, we, that we've already seen. There's murmurers there. This is going to be even scoffers. But there are some that have believed. But the point is, a very real Savior is in a large gathering of very real people just like us. And the word is going out. How many of you would have liked to have heard Christ speak on earth? Hey, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We're hearing him speak right now through his word. Now, let's continue. Look at verse 52. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now, they're not seeing what Christ is trying to say, partaking of him. They're thinking along fleshly lines. How in the world can we eat you? No, he's trying to show them something. It's the very same kind of picture saying, you know, you dwelling in me and I in you. How in the world can you dwell inside somebody? It's the picture. It's Christ in us and us in Christ. We recognize that. They didn't. Let's continue. Verse 57. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, 
So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, these people were learners. These people were determined to be taught of the Savior. But now they're choking on it. They're not seeing it. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now please remember that phrase. Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascending up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, For no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Now watch this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You know what's really sad? Is to know Christ is your Savior. And you study God's Word and you recognize what he's trying to teach and what he has done for us and what he will continue to do right on into eternity but then to look at someone who is in the same group you're in, and there you go, you know what? <laughs> I can't handle this. I'm gone. There have been people that have come in and out of this auditorium. They've heard what Christ taught. They've heard the Word of God. And in their heart of hearts said, I can't handle this, or it's not worth it, or, you know... It's good for somebody else, but it's not good for me. And they're gone. They're gone. Were they saved? I don't know. But the point is this. There are people that have come and gone and come and gone. And they've walked away. To what? To what? Now watch, after all this, we, we've, we've seen the situation. We've been in the crowd. Based on what we read in the chapter, we've, we've watched their response. And can you imagine the disciples standing there, the twelve? As the people begin to fade away, I just can't handle this. 
I don't understand it. It's not worth it. I mean, who can grasp this? And they're gone. And the crowd goes from thousands to hundreds to twelve. Boy, Christ was a failure, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. Now watch what gets said now. Then said Jesus, verse 67, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, This is the title of the message this morning. Will ye also go away? Now hear me out. Will ye also go away? Now now you might be asking, (laughs) Ah, come on, preacher. Why are you asking, you know, why are you showing that to us? I'm not going anywhere. Really? How many of you have known someone I mean, they were there. They were faithful. They loved the Lord, and they're gone. Preachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists, godly men and women, they were there, then they weren't. Go to verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Christ. Praise God. I'm glad to do it. But that babe in the manger grew up. A baby is not a threat. How many of you have ever looked at a baby and said, I'm afraid that baby's going to beat me up? Now, I'm afraid the baby's going to, well, you know, it's praise God for diapers. But no, it's not going to beat you up. But you know, one day, the babe in the manger grew up and for three years had a ministry and went out preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, I thought about this. When the miracles flowed, the multitudes were fed, and people were healed, it was wonderful. It was great. But as the kingdom was preached, sin was condemned, and the ruling religious class were rebuked. Things got dark. They got tense. Think that could happen today? It is happening. The world does not love the man, Christ Jesus. It loves what the babe in the manger can do for them. We get presents. But when it comes to Christ, the majority are rebelling. They are resisting. They don't want it. No wonder Christ, excuse me, no wonder Isaiah, through God, wrote in Isaiah 53, Who hath believed our report? 
To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? They're not listening. I want to give you two quick points. When we read, not just this, but the Christmas story, when we recognize this time of year, and even when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are two things that we need to keep in our hearts. We need to keep written down in our minds and our conscience. Number one, the recognition of his person. Folks, we worship Christ, God come in the flesh. Look at verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, if you really listen to Christ, if you really listen to him, who in the world would go to Krishna or Joseph Smith or Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad? Who would go? Who truly, truly hearing Christ would go to Stalin or Karl Marx or Vladimir Lenin? Who? If you truly heard, thou hast the words of eternal life. As one commentator said, to turn away from Christ to the dead founder of one of the world's false religions or to the lifeless sophistries of a pagan philosopher or to one of the modern proponents of today's humanistic creeds is to exchange light for darkness, life for death, hope for despair, heaven for hell. Folks, when people do not have Christ, they have no hope. No wonder all they that hate me, Proverbs, speaking of the wisdom of God, all those that hate me, Solomon wrote, love death. They love death. They champion abortion. And now, big time, several countries, several states, including California, have legalized suicide. That is sad. When someone departs like Demas, what they have done is they've taken their eyes off of the eternal and they've looked at the temporal. Folks, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The temporal is being dismantled right now. America, the America that I grew up in, is gone, and it's never coming back. But Jesus is. Jesus is. But this is what we need to understand. This was never meant to be heaven. This was never meant to be a paradise. This is preparation for eternity. H.G. Wells, in his book, The Outline of History, listed the ten greatest men of history. And he, out of believe, number one, said Jesus Christ. We'll be focusing on that, Lord willing, in two weeks. As an historian, he realized this. 
But do you recognize this fact that even though there were those that are recognized as making great contribution, did so for decades, but Jesus Christ had a ministry of three years. That was it. Three years. And yet, when you sign your check and you put the year 2022, that's Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. That's what he did. A man who was an atheist, Sir J.G. Fraser. He was an historian, not even close to being a born-again Christian. He said this, listen to this. This is from a man that really, he said, I'm an atheist. Quote, my theory assumes the historical reality of Jesus of Nazareth as a great religious and moral teacher. Now he got, you know, Jesus was that, but he was more than that. But listen to what he goes on to say. Who founded Christianity and was crucified in Jerusalem under the governorship of Pontius Pilate. The testimony of the Gospels, confirmed by the hostile evidence of Tacitus and the younger Pliny, appears amply sufficient to establish these facts to the satisfaction of unprejudiced inquirers. In other words, if you look at history and historians with an open mind, you will recognize this. There was a man, Christ Jesus. And oh, by the way, he did die and he rose again. Like one man that I read said this, there is more proof that Jesus rose from the dead than Julius Caesar lived. It's the truth. It's the truth. Now, you might say, all right, somebody might say, I should say, I will accept the fact that there were people that Jesus said, you know, he lived. Okay, but wait a minute. First John 5, 9, if, or how we would, we would say since, if or since we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. That's why this book has lasted so long and made the impact that it has because the witness of God is greater. In fact, in, in John 6, Christ spoke of this truth just a few verses earlier in verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, please, I'll be done soon. Don't lose me. Follow me, please, in this. Let's stop and think about this. People are looking for a leader. The leadership that they used to look for in America is gone. So there's people say, hey, you know, here's a popular guy. I'll follow him. Hey, here's a rich guy. I'll follow him. Wait a minute. Here's a politician. He knows what's happening. Yeah, he does. He's causing it. But Christ comes. And like the Sermon on the Mount, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished 
at his doctrine. Why? For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Remember when they sent people to go arrest Christ? They came back. Why haven't you brought him? What was it that they said? Never man speak like this man. That's our God. Recognize his person. Peter was convinced of it, and we know. So you recognize his person, but then secondly, you recognize, listen, his purpose. Don't let the celebration of Christmas remove the reason why Christ was here. He was born to die. Look at verse 69. Look at verse 69 again. And we, the we is in the emphatic, we who are closest to you, we believe and are sure. The Greek word gnosko is used there. It's we know by personal experience through a learning process. We just didn't come right out and say this. Peter said, we know, <coughs> excuse me, by personal experience as we have watched you by perceiving that thou art that Christ, the one that was prophesied, the one that was spoken of by Isaiah, by Micah, by Moses, that Christ. We know the Son of the living God. You know, you stop and consider that this man, Peter, was making one of the greatest, boldest states, uh, statements of Jesus Christ. By the way, how many of us could make that statement? We know that thou art Christ. That Christ. We just don't worship a God. We worship the God. The God. And for that, they hate us. Because their God hates our God. But our God loves them because he died for them. In fact, look, what was unique about the death of Christ? Did Christ, now, now follow me on this, I'm not trying, to, not trying to do any kind of a trick. Did Christ have to die? Now wait a minute, I know what you would say. Well, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't, he, he had to die for our sins, that is true. But did Christ have to die? No. No. People have to die. They have to die because of sin. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Some people, you know, well, they, they, they choose to die. No, wait a minute. Well, yeah, somebody, if they, if they commit suicide, well, they choose to die. They only choose to die sooner. They have to die. We have to die because of sin. Jesus didn't have to die. In John 10, he said this, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. You know why? Because God knew me. 
and he knew you. And there was only one way we were going to spend time in eternity with him in heaven. If he took our penalty. That is why. Can I encourage you in something? Praise God for Christmas time. But don't ever, ever, ever let the prophecies of the coming Savior get old. They speak more of the, than the baby. They speak of the coming of the Savior. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful. Counsel the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. We have an eternal God. As long as God lives, we will too. And I don't think God's preparing to die. That is why we rejoice. The last part of that verse 7 says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Our God is zealous about what is taking place right now. Our God wants everyone to know the gospel of Christ and come to him. He knows who will come. He knows who will. And it was interesting that at this time, in John 7, Jesus answered verse 70, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Isn't that something? There were twelve that were left. Peter says, and we know that thou art the Christ. And there stood Judas Iscariot. Sad. He's in hell right now agonizing over what he did. You know, there's people in hell right now that wish they could hear one more time a message about the gospel. Right now. But there are others, they're not listening. They're still here. There's gifts to buy. There's fun to be had. I praise God, we know whom we have believed. And this time, by God's grace, let's remember the babe in the manger. But let's also remember Isaiah 53. Let me read you just two verses from there. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
I praise God for our salvation. Amen? But let's do this. Let's, let's please remember this. Every time you stop and consider what's going on, you're telling the story or you're, you're enjoying the time, recognize the person, but then also recognize the purpose. He came to die. He rose again. He is 